Welcome to the DBT for Everyone podcast. Dialectical behavior therapy can help people live mindfully, relate effectively, and cope skillfully. This podcast features interviews, insight, and teaching related to all things DBT. Brought to you by the team at DBT Institute Oklahoma City. Check us out at dbtokc.com. Now let's get to it. Hey everyone, Uh, welcome to the DBT for Everyone podcast. Um, This is our debut episode and so we're going to talk to you today about all things DBT and you you may be wondering what the heck is DBT? And we're going to tell you more about that today. So um, my name is Chris Bryant, and I have the honor and privilege of leading an amazing team of psychotherapists here at DBT Institute, Oklahoma City. And I'm going to introduce you to one of my colleagues. Her name is Sarah Zimmer. Hi, Sarah. Hi. How's everybody? All right. So, um, you know, the first question is, what is DBT? Um, And I have to confess a little bit of frustration. The mental health field is full of acronyms and we have way too many so for somebody who doesn't know anything about dbt or psychotherapy Mm -hmm. or mental health stuff how would you define dbt Mm -hmm. what is it and how would you explain it to somebody for the first time exactly chris uh thank you for introducing me and uh, this is such a privilege to not only be on here but be on one of the first um it's always been an actual goal of mine to be on a podcast so this is kind of super fun we're living the dream living the dream over here exactly um no that's an actually wonderful question so um and it is difficult because i think we do absolutely live in a world of many many acronyms and also a lot of overlap and i think we were even talking about that earlier um, that a lot of different therapies do have differences that are pretty distinct but they also have some similarities that we kind of lean on Um, and you know dialectical behavior therapy is dbt long version Um, and funny story like when you know don't feel bad if you don't (laughs) understand what dbt is my family actually uh still calls it diabolical behavior therapy so you know we're still getting to a place where people are understanding a a little bit more it's definitely a mouthful um i think just to simply break up dialectical um, which is a huge part of the treatment model and the theory behind it is kind of this you know truth on both sides So we're looking at, you know, kind of one of the big pillars of DBT is kind of this acceptance versus change model. So kind of accepting ourselves, accepting the situations, either radically or every day. And then the opposite to that is focusing on, you know, what is within our control to change and what is necessary to change. Um, And then recognizing that what we accept and what we are trying to change is completely included i think in our behavior you know the way we treat people the way we treat ourselves and so really being able to look at both sides of the coin and seeing kind of the kernel of truth which you'll hear i'm sure through this podcast as we go forward what we're kind of looking for is what is the truth on both sides how can we validate and recognize you know what needs to be changed what needs to be accepted Um, I think even you said earlier, you know, we were talking and it's about that kind of Eastern Western mix that is so beautiful in the philosophy part of things. And I think, you know, a little bit more about about that than, than I do at this point. So you might want to take that one, but yeah, well, I mean, DBT just combines, um, a lot of really great ideas and strategies for helping people build a life that's worth living. And we know a lot from Western psychology and mm-hmm. um, 
well, we don't really know that much, actually. <laughs> uh, psychotherapy <laughs> has only been around for like 100, 100 years, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so it's a, it's a very new way of understanding human beings. And so um, there's a lot of different ideas about how to help people um, change and build lives that are worth living and deal with their emotions and deal with relationships. And DBT doesn't create anything new. DBT just kind of put it all together. Mm-hmm. And it's, I agree with and, that. And it's a very organized, structured way of doing therapy. Um, and I think a lot of people appreciate that. You yes. know? Some therapy is just real loosey-goosey. And mm-hmm. it's very open-ended, and I love some yeah. of that. I mean, it's great. You can well, just and for certain let it clients, flow. Mm-hmm. it works. You yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes you, you know, and I think that's where I'm kind of even going back to that, you know, validation versus acceptance. Sometimes we we walk into that therapeutic office and we need to just be. We need to mm-hmm. vent. We need to mm-hmm. sit and just kind of be in that moment with that therapist and get that support and get that validation and acceptance. And also for other clients, you know they need some of that problem solving that skill building for those change components you know and so it's it's really this balance of being able to provide that validation that warmth that acceptance while also being able one of my favorite parts to provide that change and that problem solving and that irreverence which i'm sure we'll talk about more in depth as we go on but really being able to balance both of those so that clients are able to kind of live in the best of both worlds i would say yeah, so you know, this is the DBT for Everyone podcast, which means you may be listening as someone who is a mental health professional and you are here because you want to learn more about how to use DBT in your practice. You may also be listening because you're a DBT client and mm-hmm. you're interested in kind of going behind the scenes and going more in depth with some DBT therapists. And you may also be just checking things out for the first time. Something that we've tried to do in our practice here at the DBT Institute in Oklahoma City is um, to level the playing field and let you know let people know that DBT is for everyone. And even if we are mental health professionals, we need to live and breathe this stuff in our everyday life. And, and it is a struggle and it's a process. And we try to practice the skills every single hour of every single day um, because it's really a great way to live. Um, and Lady Gaga even shared not too long ago that she <laughs> has participated in a DBT program mm-hmm. and she just thinks it's a great way to live and a great mm-hmm. way to handle your emotions. So, um, but Sarah, you know, we can get all technical and philosophical <laughs> about DBT, but let's talk a little more personally about your background. How did you come to be a therapist? How did you learn about DBT? And anything else we need to know about you? Yeah, so. Um I actually, in the grand scheme of things, have not been doing this too incredibly long, Um, but I actually was going to school um, for quite a long time, just being honest, kind of trying to figure it out, Um, and I actually started at UCO wanting to do early childhood education. Um, being super transparent. I didn't even know that. I am, or I forgot. Yeah, one of the two, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I am the biggest educational advocate, biggest teacher advocate, shout out to teachers. I think you guys are absolutely fantastic, um, undervalued um, especially. But I sat in a classroom for about one day and I thought, you know, uh, not for your girl. Um, so I went ahead and knew always that I wanted to work with kids. I had no idea really the age or what type of setting or anything like that. 
Um, a few years go by, you know, kind of struggled through the college thing, but I decided to go to UCO to try the LMFT route, which if that's new, you know, let alone another acronym, um, a licensed marriage and family therapist. The marriage thing, not going to lie, kind of scared me, but I was in it for the family part. Um, but my friend at the time, one of my friends, uh, Lindsay Buckingham, she's amazing. She said, everything you're talking to me about sounds like social work. Um, and I took an intro to social work class at OCCC and I absolutely fell in love with it. So I ended up going into the Bachelor um, of Social Work program at OU in the fall of 2016. Um, got my bachelor's from there in social work, also got my master's there in social work. Um, and so during that school period, I had to do a couple of internships. So I've actually had a br very brief, I would say almost a year, um, internship in community mental health. Um, so I worked in kind of a crisis setting in North Care, actually, which is in Oklahoma City. Um, and I worked with just high risk, high need individuals in that kind of treatment setting. Um, and then for my master's internship, I actually interned here at the DBT Institute in Oklahoma City, which as you can tell, that worked out pretty well. She's still here. I'm still here, so there you go. Um, and I got to even take that one step further, um, had a little bit different of an opportunity looking from a more private practice lens. So, but we were still and still are working with everybody like we are saying dbt skills for everyone but also dbt is very well known for working with working well with just high risk high need individuals um and so that's kind of my background i've been working here um, under supervision for my licensure um since about fall of 2019 um, and i should be focusing on getting that licensure wrapped up either end of this year or early next year so it's kind wow, of my background I learned some there. new things about you, yeah. Sarah. Yeah, I love that. I can't believe you didn't already know. I talk so much, you know? You're right, yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, so, um, you know, we come to DBT um, for different reasons. Sometimes folks um, are referred by their doctor to DBT, yeah. and, um, and that's their first exposure to it, or they Google it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we're not going to be able to cover all the history and background for you today. I would encourage you to do some of your own research. Um, there's tons of stuff on YouTube about DBT and the history of it. And um, Google DBT, also Google the name Marsha Linehan, and yeah. you'll learn a lot. But um, I came to DBT by happenstance in that um, where I worked, they wanted to start a DBT program and they sent a bun bunch of us through the intensive training. And I'm fortunate and grateful to have that opportunity. And there's just such a huge need for it. Um, so let's talk about like what are our favorite things about DBT? Um, what makes it different from other types of counseling or or therapy? And um, you know why is it that we wake up in the morning and do this kind of work? Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things that I want to start with with that question is you know, and he just mentioned you know definitely getting on. Um, that Google machine and kind of figuring out what are we looking at here with DBT and when you look at DBT you are definitely definitely gonna see our lovely lady Marsha Linehan um, and just to kind of back it up when she was actually promoting DBT because she is the creator um, of kind of looking at what wasn't working at the time and what needed to be added um, to be able to work with um, highly suicidal clients at the time 
and what she found out when she was working and you can definitely see this video on YouTube she explains it a lot better than I do um, but what she was noticing is if she was only using that validation that acceptance that warmth with clients these type of clients were struggling to the point where it, it became quickly this isn't going to help me this isn't going to change my circumstance this is not going to make any moves in a more positive direction if Marsha was on the other side of that and was doing all the irreverence which is just kind of calling a spade a spade being kind of that radical genuineness radical honesty if she was doing more of the problem-solving the clients at the time were like oh so you're saying I'm the problem <laughs> so she had to really be able to dialectically on both sides see how she can use both of these therapeutic options to fit the clients where they were at the time and so one of the things I like about that working with all different types of clients is you have a lot of wiggle room uh, Chris was saying earlier that it is it can be a very regimented and it ideally when you look at it should be but for certain clients that works really really well and for other clients it doesn't work very well because we are all very different and unique in what we need and what suits us so the thing I like about it is that we can have all of that structure if need be and it is in place for us to allow us to be the most effective also we do have a lot of flexibility with the skills as well so you can kind of really get the best of both worlds when you're working with a client and really cater that to what they're needing at the time because of course the client goals have to be our goals as well you know we have to be on the same page of where where we want to end up and where we are currently um, another thing I really like about it is the applicability right so like you know and, and I'm gonna be honest every therapist probably is going to say that they use these whatever their skills are that they're teaching clients in their everyday life and ideally they should be and we're humans too and you know there are definitely times where I'm skillful and there are definitely times where I'm not as skillful but the thing that I really like about DBT particularly is it is one of those things that I have actually been able to put into practice not only with my clients successfully but with myself and with some of my actual friends peers things like that so you know as someone who's kind of been in the therapy world sitting on the client couch I had a lot of therapies historically that did not work for me and also ones that I really didn't want to work for myself at the time so this is one of those things where um, you know I'm able to use these in my day-to-day -day routine and it is something that kind of works pretty immediately you know what I mean like a lot of these yeah. skills are not difficult to learn definitely putting into practice i think with any therapeutic option is is probably the biggest struggle but these are things that if they really are on your radar and you are attempting to put them into practice you are going to see some results of you know moving past where you are to kind of where you want to be yeah for sure and i think a lot of what people think of with therapy is just sitting and talking mm -hmm. talking to someone for an hour which right. is wonderful i mean to have someone's undivided attention oh, and they absolutely. just listen to you um when does that ever happen right One hour it's amazing um but as i like to say the real therapy happens outside of the office when you're absolutely. when you're in your everyday life and stuff's happening right in front of you and and if you have a framework and if you have some skills and some tools that you can pull out in those moments that is gold mm -hmm. and um and it's not easy but DBT does offer those tools. Mm -hmm. And the things that I like about DBT um, is that, you know, there is a practicality to it. You know, there's a skill for that, whatever issue you <laughs> might be dealing with. And those skills fall under four categories. 
mindfulness, which is all about living in the moment and extracting the most that we can from from the moment and um, being aware of of what's happening both inside of ourselves and also in our environment at any given time. And it helps us slow down just Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, And then emotion regulation is all about putting those pieces into place so that we're not in crisis all the time. It's like doing that preemptive work so that we can have a foundation of a healthy um, a healthy life and a healthy way of, of being emotionally and and socially and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And then also distress tolerance is learning how to survive a crisis yeah. and giving ourselves a framework for that. And then finally, um, interpersonal effectiveness, which my goodness, I think we've all lost some social skills over the past <laughs> year and a half. Um, and so. so I love the interpersonal effectiveness skills. But so there's the practicality, but also um, we see a lot of clients in DBT who everyone else seems to have given up on them. And in DBT, we don't give up on people because we assume that if the therapy's not working for them, it's not because the client is somehow at fault or they're a bad client. It's because yeah. maybe the therapy's not working. Maybe mm-hmm. we need to change up our approach. And right. we assume the best about our clients, and we assume that they're struggling and they're doing the best they can, mm-hmm. even though they need to do better and try harder at the same time that we do as well. So, mm-hmm. um, And that's that dialectic, uh-huh. you know, that we have talked about. And I think that, you know, the assumptions that, you know, and I'm sure we will spend, we could spend lots of time on a podcast talking about those assumptions. And I think that... Um, a couple assumptions that we have for ourselves and for our clients when we're working with them is exactly that dialectic, which is you are doing the best that you can in this moment, given what you have available to you, and being willing and being motivated to try harder, do better, and see where we need to change has to be both of those things. Because just like Marsha was seeing, if you only sit on one side of those options, Mm-hmm. We are either overwhelmingly changing too much with no acceptance, mm-hmm. or we are accepting all of it with mm-hmm. no change. And mm-hmm. honestly, the momentum within that is pretty stagnant on both sides, or overwhelmingly stagnant on one side, and then overwhelmingly keep, keep, keep going on the other. And I think that we need to have both of those things. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing, as we keep talking about it, I can think of a lot of the things that I like about it, but. I think that you kind of highlighted on that partnership, you know, that it is very much a partnership between you and that client or you and that family or you and that couple, whatever, whatever dynamic you are, um, you're using in that setting. I think it is extremely important to recognize that everybody plays a role. Everybody has, you know, an opportunity to kind of look and say, okay, what could we be doing differently? What could be more effective? And I think it's awesome because it doesn't put the full weight on the client, which is extremely helpful to them when they are already, you know, in need and struggling at that point. And it also allows the therapist to be able to give that client some autonomy and choice and freedom in their treatment, which I think is extremely helpful and necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And the therapeutic relationship in DBT is real. Mm-hmm. And we try to practice something called radical genuineness. Even as therapists, you may have this picture in your mind of a therapist as someone who has a poker face all the time <laughs> and um, they don't talk or share anything about themselves. We try not to talk about ourselves just because we know you're here not to listen <laughs> to our story. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's a real relationship and we know that our clients are craving something that is real in their life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think... Um, 
DVT has a lot to offer and something that, that people can expect from DVT is, is to have that real relationship that is both validating and nurturing. You know, you're going to be seen and heard and understood in ways that you haven't been before. And you're going to learn how to do that for yourself and you're going to learn how to validate other people. Mm -hmm. And also you're going to be given some tools that are going to help you make meaningful changes in a way that maybe you haven't been able to before. Right. So that's what I love about it. And you know, this episode is really kind of an intro <laughs> and uh, we have, as Sarah said, there's much more that we can dive into as we go forward. Um, so let's just let's just share um, each of us a couple of our favorite DBT skills. And if you were to to teach a skill to a client, you know what's what's your favorite DBT skill or mm -hmm. one of your favorites, yeah. and how would you teach it to a client? Well, I'm gonna pick two that I use with myself because you know. I try to, you know, as much as the therapists try to therapize themselves a little bit, um, this is definitely some two of these skills that have really worked for me and that I've seen a lot of progress with with clients. So I'm going to do two different skills from two different of the modules that Chris said. So one of them is the give skill. Okay, so a little bit background with that. So this is an interpersonal effectiveness skill. So the goal for this skill, the point of using this skill with either yourself or in any relationship dynamic that you have is, you know, what am I trying to give to this person or to myself in this interaction? And the main kind of point of, you know, the, what we're hoping to see when we use this skill in a successful way is that we're either going to build or maintain or foster already, you know, we're going to be fostering those healthy, positive relationships. And the thing I like about this is this skill, in my opinion, is one of the skills that is extremely applicable. You can use this skill, quite frankly, all of the time. Um, so the, it, and we, again, we love our acronyms, so bear with me, but GIVE actually stands for being gentle. Um, the I stands for acting interested. I'll get back to the acting part. Um, the V stands for validation. Um, and then the E stands for use in easy manner. The reason why I chose to um, kind of talk about this skill today with you guys is I was looking at our lovely Google machine uh, earlier today. And it is actually, I think, anywhere from 70 to 93% of our communication is nonverbal. Okay. So, you know, and we know this because if anybody texts anybody, we've all had that texting mishap once or once or twice where something is taken out of context, there isn't that facial expression, there's that tone that's missing. And so when you think about give, when we're talking about being gentle, when we're talking about acting interested, using an easy manner, validating those kind of things, we're spending a lot of time using our body language. We are not really always having to actually communicate those things. We're communicating them through our eye contact, through our posture, through the way we're sitting next to someone or with someone. And then that validation not only can be body language, but also can be the other percent of that spoken. You know, I hear you, I see you, I understand where you're coming from. And most of the time in that situation, when I'm using give, whether it's with my family or my friends or my colleagues or my clients, I sense that we have just a stronger kind of bond in that moment because I'm participating fully, which is also kind of that mindful component if we look at it, right? I'm participating fully 
in this moment with this person. I'm giving them my body language. I'm giving them my eye contact when it's appropriate and available to me. You know what I mean? And so I'm really able to show that to them. So that's one of the skills that I like that you can use with yourself, obviously, but more of the time we're using it with other people. Um, the second skill that I use with myself more than I'm probably going to admit on this podcast um, is opposite action. Okay. So opposite action is an emotion regulation skill. And opposite action is something that every single one of you, whether you are a clinician listening to this podcast, whether you know what DBT stands for and you're kind of in the know, or if you have listened to this podcast and still kind of don't know what we're talking about, you've already used this skill. So congratulations in the sense that opposite action is being able to identify what your emotion is in the moment, what your emotion urge is telling you to do, and then acting oppositely of that emotion urge. So if any of you have ever not wanted to go to school or work or a social event, but you went anyway, you've already been skillful. Wow. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, my thing is, is I am not an early riser. I am pretty grumpy in the mornings. And so there are a lot of times where I have to sit in that emotion with myself and say, okay, you're feeling this way right now. This is the urge that you're having. But we also recognize that most of the time when we're acting in that kind of acting or thinking in that impulsive way, like, oh, I don't want to do this today. I'm too tired. I'm too this. We're really not giving our rational mind time to catch up with our emotion mind. So most of the time I have to sit with myself a little bit and have a little bit of a morning pep talk or afternoon, depending on what time I'm getting around. Um, and say just, okay, this is what the rest of my day has in store for me. Let's participate in this. And that is really using opposite action. And I think even in interpersonal situations, if somebody is frustrating you and your urge is to be snippy, be rude, shut the conversation down, we all can get hateful, let's just be honest. You know, that is one of those things that we're using also with other people. So we're acting oppositely of what our emotion is telling us to do. And I think what I've seen from it for me personally is I have, I'm, I'm holding that boundary with myself. I have a lot more self-respect for the things that I do push myself through. And I'm also giving myself the validation of there are times where I may say not today. You know what I mean? I just have to give myself the moment for my whole brain to catch up and figure out what is the best option here. So, yeah. Well, those are those are great skills. Yeah. And I, I, you explained those very well. Oh, thanks. Um, I hope and, so. <laughs> you know, and the, that's the cool thing is that uh, you might discover in DBT that you've actually been more skillful than you yeah. realize this exactly. whole time because we're doing something right because we're still uh-huh. here we are we're trying to cope yeah. with the world around us and um, you know it's mm-hmm. a it's a difficult time to be alive because of everything that has been going on mm-hmm. in the world and we need these skills now I suppose more than ever mm-hmm. so um, the skill that comes to mind for me is the stop skill and mm-hmm. I say this is the skill to use all other skills because if you can't stop yourself long enough to think about what skill should I use right now mm-hmm. then you're not going to use any of the skills so <laughs> the stop skill stands for stop that's the S and it literally means freeze don't move a muscle because sometimes if the, our very next move 
if we don't think about what we're going to do, we're going to do something that we regret Mm -hmm. later on. So stop. Take a moment to observe yourself. Take a moment. Just a moment, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next one is to observe yourself. Observe your body sensations, your breathing. Observe your thoughts, Mm -hmm. your emotions. And then observe the people that you're with. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes we need to be mindful of what's going on in the room Mm -hmm. and then proceed mindfully and your very next move should be something that's very very intentional and very thought out Mm -hmm. Um, and this is only when you're in a situation where you're worried about how you're going to respond you don't have to do this all the time right (laughs) Um, so maybe it's when you come home from work um, and you had a rough day and uh, you're hungry or you're hangry mm-hmm. and you really need to stop and check yourself before you walk in the door because <laughs> uh, you might end up kicking the dog or something like that so um, so that's the skill that I would encourage you uh, to look into and and I think that's gonna do it for today Sarah yeah that's so awesome. this is just uh, an appetizer and we hope that you'll <laughs> continue listening to this podcast please subscribe if if you are interested um, and give us mm-hmm. a review tell us if you if you loved it or you thought it was really lame or we're super somewhere open in between yeah. <laughs> yeah this can be very dialectical right uh-huh. um so um yeah. well thanks so much for listening and uh, yeah. we wish you all the best take care yeah thank you guys